If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or go online to mygreensolution.com. Either way, use that promo code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase. Let's jump into it. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies, and on this episode... We're going to talk about Brian Shaw. See how I kind of ripped that off like a Band-Aid? I wouldn't be surprised if there are some fans out there who decide, you know what, I'm maybe going to skip this one. I don't know if I need to do, uh, however long this will be, a 30 to 40 minute long conversation on Brian Shaw. But I do think there's actually a lot of really interesting stuff to dive into here, looking at his career up to this point. Uh, wondering what's going to happen with him this next season, what's going on with that contract. And, you know, in general, what the hell happened uh, to Brian Shaw? So as we sit here today, he is 32 years old, and he just turned 32 a month ago. So he will pitch uh, the 2020 season, however much of it he ends up getting to pitch at 32. So he's not by any means ancient. Uh, He shouldn't be, as much as, you know, 32 is on the other side, typically of the age bell curve, and and certainly his skills should be declining at this point in his career. The sharp drop-off from who he was before he got to Colorado to the guy that most of you are 
familiar with and, and dread every time his name is called is worth examining because it certainly is strange. So to begin the story, and I'm not going to go through his minor league stuff in quite the same detail, obviously, as the guys who came up in the Rockies system who I covered throughout the minors. He's also just had a longer career at the majors to this point. So I think we can get there pretty quickly. But he was drafted all the way back in 2008 by the Arizona Diamondbacks in the second round. So he came with a bit of draft pedigree, especially for a guy who it looks like they thought maybe could even eventually be converted into a starter. Of course, we know that sort of the calling card of Brian Shaw has been his ability to pitch a lot of innings and stay healthy. But, you know, he began his pro career at the rookie level with the Arizona Diamondbacks and ate up a bunch of innings, but did not pitch to a good ERA. He had a 675 and a 403 out of the gate. The next year, they moved him up to high A and had him start. He pitched in 30 games. He threw 107.1 innings to a 470 ERA. Did the same thing the next year, double A. So not great numbers, but they're you know moving him up if we, as we've seen the Rockies do. Uh, I think he was relatively young as well. They had him start again the next year. 33 games, 101.1 innings to a 426 ERA. So to this point, he's made his way all the way up to double A. He's pitched out of the pen and he's pitched as a starter. And he really hasn't had much success. In terms of the peripherals, the walk rate has been low, but not super low. And the strikeouts have hung around six to seven. So really nothing fantastic that you're seeing out of Brian Shaw to this point in his minor league career. But apparently something clicked for him in 2011 in a repeat year with the Diamondbacks double-A club because in 20 innings, he, uh, over 15 appearances, had a 0.87 ERA. Things starting to click for him. He earns a promotion that season to triple-A. Uh, the numbers in terms of ERA got a little bit worse. I'm not exactly sure what league he would have been in there, but I would imagine uh, that was a, a transfer from the Eastern League to the Pacific Coast League, which that's going to happen. So his ERA went up to 458, but the peripherals actually improved from where he was in AA, and he was striking out 7.64 per nine and walking 204, numbers you would absolutely live with. Interestingly enough from there, Brian Shaw just kind of took off as a reliever and never looked back. He, you know, was never really counted on. It looks like his career high in saves was nine. So he wasn't a closer, you know, a triple A, they, they had him close out a little bit, but uh, that's in the minors. His career high, the majors in saves is three. So he's never been a closer, but he makes his major league debut at 23 years old in 2011 for the Arizona Diamondbacks and immediately appears in 33 games, uh, only pitching 28 innings. So apparently they had him, you know, working in some specialty matchup situations there. But posts a 254 ERA 
as a rookie for the Diamondbacks, strikes out 7.62, and the really encouraging number of walking only 2.54 guys per nine innings as a rookie. We talked about in the Carlos Estevez episode about how he was being super careful with guys, had his career high in walk rate. Well, Shaw went the other way. He was coming right at guys as a rookie. Comes back in 2012 and pitches 59 innings over 64 games, pretty much a beginning his stretch here of becoming the most highly used reliever in all of baseball. Uh, but he was traded after that season. So that year, he, he pitches 59 innings for the Diamondbacks over 64 games, a 349 ERA, 622 strikeouts per nine, 364 walks per nine. So the peripherals got worse. The ERA got a little bit worse. Uh, he was relying mostly here on producing weak contact when he could. Um, he did cut the home run rate down a little bit, but for the most part, uh, I could see why the Diamondbacks would think, hey, maybe he's on the downward swing, or maybe this guy just doesn't have the swing and miss stuff that we're going to want him to have, and they move him to Cleveland, where he basically becomes their seventh and or eighth inning setup guy slash innings eater over the rebirth of, of their franchise kind of in the, the latter part of the decade. In 2013, he pitched 75 innings to a 324 ERA, uh, 876 strikeouts per, 336 walks per nine. So again, now you're looking at kind of an established. The strikeout rate came up. The walk rate came down just a little bit. The ERA came down just a little bit, but you're starting to see an established type of pitcher. Maybe he, he caught guys off guard a bit as a rookie and he's never going to be that 254 guy again, but at least you're feeling, okay, here's a pretty solid reliever. The next year though, he probably had uh, the best season of his career all around, making 80 appearances. That's a career high, 76.1 innings, not quite a career high, uh, but close to, and a 259 ERA over that time. Just really, really, really good numbers for Cleveland in 2014. Uh, I want to double check here. I think, nope, he's never been an all-star. I thought maybe one of those years he had gotten into it. I remember he was, he was being talked a, a lot about more there often, but really solid season for Shaw at that point, and again, establishing himself as an innings eater. Uh, the following year, pretty much the same thing. He In 2015, 74 appearances, 64 innings pitched, a 295 ERA. So yeah, it came up a little bit, but you're still looking at a sub-3 ERA. And peripherals hanging around the same spot. Seven and a half strikeouts per nine, two and a half walks per nine. It looks like at this point, this is just who... Brian Shaw was going to be. And I do know from reading a few things and looking around a little bit that he had kind of developed a reputation for a guy you don't want to count on in the biggest of moments that, you know, he would sometimes create messes that other guys in that Cleveland bullpen that was really strong there for a while would have to come in and clean up. But still, overall, there's no, I mean, you can you can put it in whatever context you want. These numbers that Shaw put up in both of his years in Arizona and in all these years in Cleveland are numbers that Rockies fans would give limbs 
for him to do. It's exactly what the Rockies need right now, but I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because, I mean, it's almost like clockwork at this point in Cleveland for a number of years. In 2016, 75 appearances. The year before, he made 74 appearances. 66 innings versus the 64 innings. A 324 ERA. So that came up from 295, but still 324 ERA. You, you t- that is exactly what the Rockies need out of Brian Shaw. The strikeouts came up that year, which is interesting, to 932. Uh, his career high in the majors, but it was kind of mitigated by the fact that he also walked a career high at 378. And I think the next year he decided, I'm going to go back to maybe a little bit more contact, uh, not trying to hunt those strikeouts as much. And even though he managed to make the peripherals better, the walk rate came down to 258. Uh, Strikeout rate still pretty good at 857. The ERA came up to 352 again came up to 352 which is the highest it had been in uh, since his rookie no no that's the highest it had been it's career high 352 era uh for the cleveland indians in 2017 over 79 appearances 76.2 innings pitched Uh, over that stretch of time he threw more innings than any reliever in the game and had done so at worst, with a 3.52 ERA. Now, first, as you may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Uh, The other thing that you may not know is that after that season, the Colorado Rockies gave Brian Shaw a three-year contract. Of course, I'm I'm joking. You all know this. But now I I will say this. There were plenty of people who were highly critical of the Rockies making this decision at the time. And considering, you know, he's just coming off his age 29 season, which means the Rockies were signing him going into his 30s, that they gave him a deal that guaranteed him $27 million over three years with a possibility for a fourth year at $9 million more. We'll get into that later. There were plenty of people who didn't think this was a good idea for the Rockies at the time. But... To act as though it was indefensible is also, in my estimation, quite silly. I I threw a bunch of numbers at you there going through his time before Colorado. Let me, and this is one of the reasons why metrics can be helpful, even though you've really got to keep some of them in in certain contexts. And and we'll actually get into that here. But to make it much clearer... ERA plus, right? It's adjusted for ballpark and based on how good the league is any given year. And while I've got some issues with the way it's calculated, just like WRC plus and all of the others, it can help give you a comparative baseline. Beginning, and much like for anyone who doesn't know, just a quick primer, it works just like 
WRC+. If you're at 100, you're league average. If you're over 100, you're above league average. If it's, say, 112, then you're considered 12% better than league average. And if you're under, same basic idea, right? So super, super elite is like 190, okay? So beginning in 2011 through 2017, his final year in Cleveland, so all of his major league career before coming to Colorado, here are his year-by-year ERA plus totals. 157, 117, 118, 151, 146, 140, 130. He had been in every single season while pitching more innings than anybody well above league average in pretty much every measurable way. So as I said, sort of toward the beginning of this episode, is it reasonable to expect that a guy going into age 30, 31, 32 might start to decline a bit? Yes. Is it reasonable to expect that he's going to throw 54.2 innings to a 593 ERA and implode on six or seven extremely dramatic occasions in a season in which the Rockies end up tied for the division? Probably not, except that's exactly what happened. So I suppose it was reasonable to expect that that was a possibility. I just think it was a a pretty rare one. And, you know, I don't think very many people truly saw that disastrous of a campaign coming. He, He put up an ERA plus of 80. That's a career low by 20, 37 points a 37-point low in his career ERA+. plus. He came to Coors Field and completely fell apart. Now, was that because of Coors Field? I'm sure it was to some degree a factor. Um, but the, the truth of it is we really don't know. There were a few small injury things. Again, I don't think those were factors. I do think a lot of it was mental. He had never really struggled in his career like this, and there were some pretty massive explo- or implosions, really. I-, I even remember two that fell apart because of his own bad defense off the mound, which might have been completely different. Now, he did end up giving up big hits right after that stuff, but there were a couple of times where it was just you know, a a clown show circus at times when he took the mound. And you couldn't have asked for, not that you would ask for, but you couldn't have asked for a worse season from Brian Shaw after everything he had done coming into it. Uh, If he even can mitigate those struggles by 20%, the Rockies win the division. And I don't think that it's unreasonable. 
especially when you look at the body of work coming into it, that Jeff Breidich would have thought that this was a guy who could help them get over the top because if he had been not even his normal self, if you take the worst season of his career to that point in Arizona, if he matches that, the Rockies win the division. If he get if he pitches halfway between that and where he actually did in 2018, the Rockies win the division. And so it was an absolutely brutal Colorado debut for Brian Shaw. And of course, I I didn't need to tell you that probably, but I do think it's worth remembering uh, just how insane it was. And, you know, the walk rate was terrible. That was another thing. The career high walk rate. He just lost uh, the feel. He had a 461 walk per nine rate. The strikeouts were still okay. 889. He was giving up home runs at a massive rate, about one and a half per nine innings. And I do think you've got to start asking the questions with Shaw as well about the baseball, that really comes into play the next season. Here's where things get really interesting in my mind, because Brian Shaw did not, by baseline measure, have a good season this last year for the Rockies in 2019. He had a better one. In every measurable way, he had a better season. He dropped the ERA from 593 to 538. Not a huge drop, but that's a drop nonetheless. The strikeout rate came down to 725, but that's still sort of closer to his career averages. More importantly, the walk rate dropped a full walk per nine innings from 361, or I'm sorry, from 461 to 363. So he's walking a guy less per nine. It's a big deal, especially at Coors Field. The home run rate stayed the same at one and a half per. Uh, Again, the fact that his primary pitch is a cutter and that was easily the pitch that was most impacted by the difference in the laces on the baseball, uh, I I don't think those two things are coincidental. I do think that if they get the laces back to where they've been before, Brian Shaw's one of the guys who will uh, be most positively impacted by that. But it is interesting that the Rockies threw him out there in 70 games, 72 innings, those much closer to his career totals. And for the first half of the season, he was actually pretty decent for him. And, you know, wasn't pitching in high leverage situations, was able to get the outs that he needed to get. By the end of the season, he was kind of getting knocked around again uh, the way he had before. I think the most interesting wrinkle of his 2019 campaign, though, was that somehow he figured out how to tame Coors Field a bit. He pitched much better at home. In 40 innings at Coors Field, he pitched to a 420 ERA. Again, not fantastic, but you take that at at home for sure. The problem was he was the inverse of Wade Davis. Out on the road in 31 innings, he pitched to a 689 ERA. That's that's going to kill you. And it, and it did. It, it really pretty much broke him. But if Brian Shaw has figured out a way to tame Coors Field a little bit and is just 
kind of generally here working himself back, you do see an improvement in numbers. Now, the, the age decline is still a real thing, but I also think you see a guy who's rediscovering himself. That's what makes Brian Shaw difficult to measure at this point in his career and why he's another one of those guys who the window of possible outcomes for him is just absolutely enormous. And so I want you to consider all of the possibilities for Brian Shaw over a nice, cool Breckenridge Hot Peak IPA. If that's your thing, I'll tell you what, it is mine. I enjoy the IPAs. Uh, the, the guys at the office give me uh, a hard time for it. Just, can we find Drew the beeriest beer? Well, the beeriest beer that there is is Breckenridge's Hot Peak IPA. If you're into it, if you consider yourself an IPA drinker, I can promise you will not be disappointed. But no matter what you're drinking from Breckenridge Brew, you won't be disappointed, especially if you're drinking it over at Blake Street Tavern. We're looking at maybe doing something there on the 21st. If enough people say that they can show up over at Blake Street Tavern doing a, a Larry Walker Hopefully, maybe uh, doing doing. Let's all. I just can't even say it out loud. We're doing a, a let's see who gets inducted into the Hall of Fame announcement watch party. Um, if enough people want to be there, let us know. Manny Randawa put a poll out on Twitter. Go vote in that, or just hit me up and let me know that you can be there. Uh, it's a great place to hold events like that. Uh, we're going to be doing book signings with Manny as well, and some other things. But uh, I think it would be a whole lot of fun to have a, a watch party for the Hall of Fame announcements. Let us know if that's something that you would be interested in. Either way, you can't go wrong drinking a Breck brew at Blake Street Tavern. All right, so what does the future hold for Brian Shaw? Well, if he's really starting to fit, let's, <laughs> which end of the spectrum do you want to begin at? Let's begin at the negative end of the spectrum, and I'll get back into the contract. There was a bunch of confusion this past season, and I needed to double check with people who really know. And, and part of it was that SpotRack, who normally, by the way, does fantastic job, uh, a fantastic job, and I, I use them as a source for a lot of things. So I, like a lot of other people, was confused about whether or not Brian Shaw uh, was going to have the final year of his contract vest because it's based on the number of appearances that he makes. But it had been misreported that it was that there were a certain number of appearances he could make in 2019 that would make it vest. That is incorrect. Here is the threshold. He must make 110 appearances across 2019 and 2020. So eagle-eared viewers. No, eagles don't have great... What, somebody give me an animal with great ears. Uh heard me say a moment ago that he made 70 appearances in 2019. That means that he is, quick math everybody, 40 away from having this nine, uh, this fourth year at $9 million vest, meaning that the Rockies would have to keep him in 2021 and pay him $9 million in his age 33 season. Because of that, now, on the one hand, that's really, really bad, right? That's that's not an ideal scenario to be in, especially if he continues to struggle. 
And so I don't, I don't want to try to just totally spin this to say that, oh, actually, it's a great thing that that, you know, guillotine is hanging over the Rockies' head. Not necessarily. However, it does give them both incentive and, quite frankly, cover for either cutting Brian Shaw before the season begins, if they get there and spring training is going and Diaz looks good and Estevez looks good and the new guys look good and Tinoco looks like he's going to take the next step and, you know, everything's just kind of going positive for all the other relievers except for Shaw, then you can just cut him at that point, buy out the final year of his deal, essentially pay him $9 million to go somewhere else. Plus, you do have to pay him another $2 million uh, as part of the buyout. So you're essentially paying him $11 million to probably go pitch for someone else because he's one of those guys. I mean, we just went through the resume. He'll probably get picked up at 32 years old, especially if somebody can get him for cheap, take a flyer, see if he does have anything left, see if it was Coors Field whatever you do. Uh, but I don't think anyone's going to trade for him, largely because if they trade for him, they will also inherit this potential vesting option. And if he's bad, you're in a tight spot. As George Clooney reminded us, and oh brother, where art thou? So the good news on this front is it gives the Rockies all the incentive, as I was kind of leaning toward earlier, to if he is out there because it's just, you know, the bullpen kind of is where it is. Some of these young guys look like they're coming along, but really Shaw might be a decent fit for a sixth inning type of role. He looks good in spring training. You know, you roll with it. He goes out there for 10 or 15 innings, 20 innings, and you go, nope, he's still just the Brian Shaw. He's been with the Rockies. And you can cut him at that point, a la Mike Dunn. They did something very similar with Mike Dunn. Let's give him one more chance to see. The other thing is, remember now, and I don't want to get into the positive side of it too quickly, but he is pitching for his next contract. He knows full well that, yeah, the $9 million for 2020 is coming one way or the other. But for 2021, he could be cut. And it's not like the players union or somebody or or he would have some kind of grievance to say, oh, they only cut him so they didn't have to pay him. Like, no, dude, you've been bad. They cut you because you've been bad and they need the roster spot, right? There would be no argument to be made there if he comes out and he's not good again. Now, they could get the, the worst case scenario is probably this. Brian Shaw starts the season okay to good. They hang on to him thinking, all right, maybe he's going to become a thing for us. And if so, whatever, we'll deal about the the money when we get there. And then, you know, the day after he crosses that 110-game threshold, 40 appearances next season, uh, he turns into a pumpkin again and the Rockies are stuck with him. That's the worst case scenario is that he gets off to a decent start that fools them into keeping him. And then he turns right back into it. They're stuck with him for two years. The best case scenario is that at 32 years old, there's still something left in the tank that Shaw does want to get another contract after this one and not just see that vesting option 
disappear and lose out on the $7 million there and then maybe not even be able to get another contract in the bigs. You know, where's Mike Dunn at now? You come out and you do this again, that might be it. That could be his career. It could, though, go the other way. So the potential for Brian Shaw on the lowest end is actually negative war. The Rockies are stuck with him in the long term. Like, that's the worst case scenario. Somewhere above that is actually that they just cut him before the season begins and he provides zero value one way or the other for the Rockies. They have to pay for him, but they open up a roster spot. But you do have this possibility that he's not done. He has been figuring things out, especially Coors Field. The laces are back up on the baseballs. He's not ready to be done yet. And he's able to rekindle that magic of of the ball player he was who for six straight seasons was one of the most reliable guys in Major League Baseball. And he finally puts up a positive ERA plus for the Rockies. Maybe a, a solid... 390 to 410 ERA. And in that case, yes, the Rockies would probably have to pitch him enough to vest that option. And then you wonder, you know, okay, he was able to find it for a year. Does that mean he's going to be able to do it twice? Um, Again, I'm less concerned about his age and more concerned about whether or not his stuff and or mentality is going to work at Coors Field altogether. But I don't think it's impossible. Like I said, I do think you see positive momentum in his peripherals from year one to year two. And all of the incentive in the world to get the absolute best version of Brian Shaw we can possibly get. The good news on that front is, unless he, I really think that unless he comes out head full of steam, just looks like a new man who is going to vie for, you know, the seventh inning role and be legitimately reliable. I think there's a decent chance the Rockies do cut ties, you know, call it good, say this didn't work out for any of us. Maybe he goes and gets another gig uh, before showing up in a third season and maybe looking toast. Uh, you know, I, I do think that the Rockies could get value out of Brian Shaw. It is a cruel twist of irony that what they maybe arguably need most right now, certainly what they need most in their bullpen, but arguably as a club is the guy that Brian Shaw was in Arizona and Cleveland. That's what they need. A guy who can pitch 70 innings or more to a mid-three ERA and just do the job. Just do the blue-collar, hard-working. Don't get the, you know, the big credit for the, the saves or the whatever. Just do the job. And he hasn't been able to do the job in Colorado. And frankly, nobody really knows why. I don't think Brian Shaw fully knows why. I don't think that he's just completely forgotten how to play baseball. 
I'm very intrigued. And I think I've said this before on the podcast, but the first thing I'm doing when I get to Scottsdale at the end of February is grabbing a baseball and checking the laces. And if the laces are popped out on that thing and I can move my finger across it and and it gets stuck as opposed to just gliding right over, that's that that to me is going to mean big things for a number of pitchers on the Rockies. And Brian Shaw could even be at the top of that list. His cutter is his first, second, and third most important pitch. And there are times it's worked for him here, but for the most part, it's become a liability. He's had to throw the slider and the four-seamer a lot more because when he can't get the cutter to go where it's supposed to, it just hangs right in the middle of the plate. It's the same thing that happened to Wade Davis. It's the same thing that happened to Kyle Freeland. If you can't get the cutter inside on the opposite-handed hitter because it's not moving the way you're used to it moving, the laces of the baseball are, are making it back up a lot more than it ever has before and just kind of spin there, you're done. So, you know, we'll see. And I think the Rockies just need to act quickly. If he looks bad in spring training, make it happen fast. Just cut him and no one will fault you for it. Even if he gets picked up by somebody else and pitches well, which will probably happen. But, If they do roll into the season with Brian Shaw, it might be worth making a quick trip to his baseball reference page, taking a look at those ERA plus numbers, taking a look at his Coors Field splits, and saying, you know, if they can put this guy in the right spots, not have him pick up too many high leverage innings, maybe there's a way he can help them win some ball games and get back into postseason contention in 2020. And if not, they should have absolutely zero qualms about just parting ways, saying so long and thanks for none of the fish. All right, thank you all for listening into this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. Really appreciate it. Let me know who you'd like to see or hear, I suppose, next in, as far as individual careers are concerned. Make sure you're following us on the social media, like, share, subscribe. Uh, subscribe to the website at thednvr.com. Huge blowout sale right now at the dnvrlocker.com. The Kyle Freeland homegrown shirts are only 10 bucks through the end of the year blowout sale. If you haven't gotten one of those, now is the time especially because I don't think Kyle's going to continue to struggle. So if you want to get some of those shirts, get them now while they're cheap because they're not going to be cheap next year. That That is my guess there. You can also get some of those gold glove Nolan being Nolans for, I think they're 15 bucks. The Tony Wolters, Tony Two Bags are like 15 bucks. Huge blowout sale over at the locker. So get your stuff now, if you got some cash monies lying around from Christmas, you got a little extra funds, uh, that's my, <laughs> that, that is my advice on how you should spend it. All right. Thank you much for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses? 
Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more. I started drinking it because I have degenerative arthritis, and I would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing, and this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having degenerative arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava Craft coffee every day for months now, and she is so happy with the results. I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers, it does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing. Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018.